0: DW Deutsche
1: Welle. Pulse.
2: Hello and a very warm welcome to Pulse. I'm Eunice Wenjiro in Bonn, Germany. Today on the show, we meet a team of volunteers in Ghana who have embarked on a reading clinic encouraging children to read aloud how the young members of the Rohingya community in Pakistan is a ticking time bomb waiting to explode as their people face trouble in Myanmar. These stories, plus a look at what's been going on on the social media front, coming right here on Pulse. So stay
1: tuned.
2: Most children in northern Ghana are not able to enjoy the luxury of being read aloud to. Many schools lack basic materials such as exercise books, pens, pencils, and books to facilitate a proper education. But one of the UN's sustainable development goals is to encourage education across the globe. Reading aloud to children expands their worldview, improves their sense of imagination and helps them learn to read for themselves more quickly. This year, to mark Founders Day on September 21st, a team of volunteers embarked on a reading clinic and book drive event in Tamale, Ghana. The League of Young Female Leaders gathered a group of volunteers who read aloud to children and got them discussing books, literature and education. Maxwell Zuk went back to school to find out more.
3: He how coconuts, hoofs snap twigs in their bluebell roots. The squirrels peer from trees. In the school across the fields, the children are listening
1: Children sit wrapped around Hassan al Hassan Ibrahim, a volunteer reader.
2: In the classroom, the children whisper.
3: She is coming. Coconut's coming. He how.
1: She is reading a story to them out. entitled The Donkey she That Was Too out. Fast, one of the oldest She's story coming. books for younger children coconut's in Ghana.
4: But Mr. Clapper, the teacher, shouts...
3: Go away, coconuts. Go back home. Donkeys can't come to school.
1: Hikmat Babadua is another of the volunteers.
4: Hello, Aiko, said Hannah. I've brought you a surprise. Tangerines, said Aiko, my favorite fruit.
1: By reading, the volunteers hope tangerines. to encourage the children to share their own stories. Muhammad Bimuka put her hand up first to read.
4: I have a very fast donkey. I will get there before you, he said. Gino and his donkey rushed along the path. The donkey went so fast, the coconut started to fall onto the ground.
1: Teachers like Fusheni Zulkifulu know that reading will help his students learn. He is glad to welcome the volunteers into the classroom and get children motivated to read. Honestly, uh, we have problems when it comes to the calibre of students that we have here in terms of reading. So uh, we are most grateful as this thing has happened here. And uh, there are students here we never knew their potentials at the beginning because most of them feel shy in the reading. But whilst we're going through the classes, looking through the sessions, we saw so much improvement in them. So I think it's very great doing this with us. It's very great. A recent study by an NGO, the Center for Active Learning and Integrated Development, or CALID, found that 45.8% of students in the Sanarugu district near Tamale cannot read in schools. Hikmat Babadua, who runs the League of Female Leaders, thought it was time to try and change those figures for the better.
4: We have observed that reading standards in this part of our world is falling. Uh, most of the children cannot pronounce basic words and they can't even relate to stories that other children in other parts of the world can read. So we thought it wise that if we come around and teach them how to relate to words and how to relate to stories, it will really be beneficial for them. And also to remind them of the fact that they need to read because there are a lot of things that they can learn from books.
2: I love you, you did so well. I'm so Impressed by your performance, okay? Alright, stand very well. Now give all of you.
1: Okay. After the reading session, the children are given their own book to take home. This school, like many others, is lacking basic educational materials, which also hinders the children's learning process. Bala Haria, a member of the League of Female Leaders, explains. Some of them you see that they come to school without the books. So learning is ongoing, but they don't have the study materials. They are in the class all right, but they are unable to write or do other things just because they don't have some of these materials. So this is just our own little way of contributing to their study as individuals. The initiative fit into the Sustainable Development Goals, number four of which aims to ensure inclusive and quality education for all. After the day finished, the students were pleased.
2: I like to say thank you to them for coming to our aim to give us exercise books to learn. So a very big thanks to them. Yes, of course I'm happy because they are helping our parents and also ourselves because it's very difficult to get money to buy books. So our parents are here to buy books for us.
1: I'm also happy because we did. Some of us didn't have the book and they give us. As the story continues, the students gradually gain confidence. The books have made them keen to participate in class, and the teachers are hopeful that this enthusiasm will continue even after the readers have left.
4: My name is Mohammed Aisha, I like the story, we will like it if they come back all the time.
1: My name is Abdullah Ismaila, I like this story. And that is what the League of Female Leaders want to achieve. It believes read aloud sessions like this can broaden children's view of the world, according to Hikmat.
4: We started our initiative for the past two years now. And most of these kids come to the program um, without even knowing how to pronounce simple words. But by the time they leave, they're able to read by themselves. They're able to read for others and they're able to even stand in front of large crowds to read
1: for things to really change investment in the education sector is key not only increasing enrollment but also ensuring schools are well equipped with learning materials and a high caliber of teachers but internally everyone agrees that starting with baby steps is a way to go to achieve this
4: who else yes orange orange so I-
1: from food. What else did you hear in the story? Yes. For DW, More. this is Maxwell Suk right. in Tamale, right.
4: northern Ghana. Okay.
0: <laughs> Zebra.
2: The Rohingya community has been a feature of global headlines for the past few months, as many of those who had been living in Myanmar have been migrating over the border to Bangladesh. In the Pakistani city of Karachi, there has been a Rohingya migrant community since 1960. The recent wave of violence in Myanmar reminds the Pakistani Rohingya community of the reasons they left their homelands back in the 60s. Now, younger generations born in Pakistan are angry about what is happening to the Rohingyas in Myanmar. Mudasa Shah went along to meet them and find out what impact the events in Myanmar and Bangladesh is having on them in Pakistan.
0: Emma Wallace presents his report. It's a sunny day in Karachi, the financial capital of Pakistan. Dozens of school and college students, both girls and boys, are busy demonstrating, shouting, save the children and stop Muslim genocide in Myanmar. A local organisation, the Anwar Habib Foundation, is a Pakistani religious not-for-profit organisation it organized the protest. Alama Saeeda Habib, the founder of the Anwar Habib Foundation in Karachi, says the aim of the protest is to put pressure on the government to speak up for the Rohingya community in Myanmar.
3: It feels like Muslim genocide is becoming written into some part of international policy. I feel like our rulers are just asleep and don't care about what is going on. In my opinion, every sane person should understand this point. But people here seem to be busy just enjoying the routine of their lives eating, sleeping, and working. We can't expect the Nobel laureate Aung San Suu Kyi to help us. What we want is to wake our rulers from their slumber and get serious about Rohingya issues in Myanmar.
0: Not all of the protesters come from the Rohingya community, although they are staging it where the majority of Rohingyas in Karachi live, in the Arkanabad Abad colony. There are many young women protesting, who believe that because most Pakistanis share a religion with the Rohingyas, it is their duty to stand up and protest on their behalf. There's a strong smell spreading across the slums of Arkanabad. It is the smell of dried shrimps, which fishermen have brought from the coast nearby. It's usual here for 10 to 15 families to share one water tap. Malnutrition and diarrhoea are common amongst children here. The black smoke from nearby factories disguises the real colour of the sky. But so far, its actions have stopped there. Many of the Rohingya in Pakistan don't have official permits, despite contributing to the economy through their fishing activities. The only way for many Rohingya to get identity cards in Pakistan is to first declare themselves as Bangladeshis and then claim a Pakistani registration with their Bangladeshi status, which is easier. That is what 21-year-old Arman Fida hopes to do but it's difficult,
4: he explains.
5: The officials demand 400 US dollars for a national identity card. I earn 250 dollars a month, so how can I pay them that much amount? It would take me six or seven months to pay the loan I'd borrowed from someone. It's a difficult deal for a poor person like me.
0: Amongst the young Rohingyas, there is growing dissatisfaction with the Pakistani authorities. Wali Mohammed is 21. He has been unemployed for the last few months. He meets up with other jobless friends in the
5: evenings. I left school when I was 15 to support the family. The only option open to me was to go to the sea to fish but now the cost check identity cards which we don't have so I've been deprived of my livelihood. Lots of us don't
0: have access to the same
5: facilities which Pakistanis have. One
0: of Wali's friends turns on a video on his cell phone.
5: I weep for a long time when I watch these kinds of videos of what is going on in Rakhine province. One which stuck in my mind was of a girl who was stripped naked and then raped by 10 to 15 people. Later she was tied up with rope and burnt alive.
0: Because of the problem with getting identity cards, most members of the Rohingya community have remained poor. Even when they have a job, they are only entitled to half the daily wages Pakistanis can expect because of their lack of a legal work permit.
5: We, the Rohingya, are being killed by Buddhists there in Myanmar, whereas Pakistanis kill us daily here in Pakistan. The Buddhists kill us once by shedding our blood, whereas Pakistanis kill us in installments bit by bit. This is the only difference.
0: (laughs) It is midnight in Arkanabad colony, but the jobless young men are still awake and angry. One of Wali's friends starts singing a song, inciting other young men to take up arms. The song says that young Rohingya men should go to Rakhine in Myanmar for jihad, and with the mercy of God, they should take revenge for their relatives. The song declares, we, the young Rohingya, will take back our land and rule there once again. So far, the Pakistani authorities have not acknowledged this growing dissatisfaction. The danger now is that other radical groups will capitalise upon the young men's anger and recruit them to fight jihad around the world. The Rohingya community in Pakistan may not be its largest minority group, but their anger stoked up by watching brutal videos is a ticking time bomb, which could explode at any time.
2: That report was compiled by Mudasa Shah. You're still listening to Pulse. Protests were held in Cameroon's English-speaking region a few days ago, calling for independence from the majority Francophone nation. This brought about a lot of reaction on our social media feed after it was reported that soldiers in Cameroon had killed and wounded the protesters. Wanjiko Maura is here with us to tell us what people have been saying. Wanjiko, I'm very glad you could join us. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you have been monitoring DW Africa's Facebook page as well as posting news and information of the protests that were in the English-speaking region of Cameroon. What can you tell us about the reactions that have come in so far?
3: First of all, the reactions and comments that we've received on this particular story have been tremendous. Uh, People writing in from different parts of the world about what they think uh, of the ongoing situation. Malang Defoyne says, but governance is the reason why Anglophone Cameroonians are demanding for the restoration of their country. Now, Eunice, just to mention to our dear listeners that this struggle for independence, as it is being referred to, did not just start yesterday. No, it's something that's started uh, at least in 1961. We also have another comment from Direleo Joffrey uh, who says, I am a Ugandan, but in strong support for the independence of Anglophone Cameroon, they cannot afford to be second-class citizens in their own country just because of language. And one last one before you tell me to stop. Please go ahead. Ugochi says killing of innocent people just because they are holding flags shows how irresponsible African governments are. Catalonia did their own independent referendum, which Spanish government termed illegal. But Spanish police were so professional on dealing with the situation. This is what he says.
2: I think he is a bit wrong there because I believe this phenomenon of police brutality is definitely not only seen on the African continent, is it? No, it is not. I think police brutality is a universal
3: phenomena. Just looking at what he mentioned, Catalonia, they... Spanish policemen have been under heavy criticism on how they responded to these clashes. Uh, We have photos circulating on social media, for example, of a very elderly woman being held uh, both feet and and hands by the police. This is definitely not a show of uh, respectful treatment of the protesters. So it's definitely not something just for the African countries.
2: Okay, now back to this call for independence. Why do you think this is coming at a time like this? And what a coincidence that it is happening in Europe and Africa as well as in the Middle East with the Kurdish people in Iraq? I think the key issue
3: uh, when you look at all these regions is the division of resources. Uh, this, Some of these regions feel they are not being treated fairly when you look at the correlation of their contribution to the countries that they are attached to. So, for example, when you look at uh, Catalonia in Spain, they're contributing a significant amount towards the national uh, tax budget. But when they get out, then, of course, this means a loss to the to the Spanish government. When you look at uh, Cameroon, it's the same case. In Nigeria, with, with the people of Biafra, it is the same case. They occupy the region that has... Um, a lot of the crude oil that Nigeria relies on. Um, And so when the governments do not distribute these resources equally or equitably to all regions within a country, then people feel perhaps it's better to stand alone. But we also have other causes such as bad governance uh, and less inclusion, of course, and
2: also lack of frank and inclusive uh, dialogue. Well, let's hope all this goes on well. Thanks to all those who've contributed on our Facebook page. Make sure to visit that page, like us and leave your comments. And the page is DW DW Africa. Yes, Wanjiko Maura, thank you very much for being here. Always a pleasure. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of Pulse. We hope you've enjoyed the show. On behalf of our studio team, many thanks for listening. And we wish you a great week ahead. Make sure to tune in again next week for another jam-packed edition of Pulse. I'm Eunice Unduro. Bye for now. I messed it up, as